Once upon a time. In a land far away. I'm Katrina. And I'm Jeff. And welcome to the Fairy Tellers Podcast. Myth, legend, folklore, fable. We explore what they say about cultures then and now. Grab a hot cup of cocoa and a comfy seat. While we retell you a thing. Welcome back to the podcast for our fifth Friday Fright Fest. That's right. It's not a fifth Friday Fable Fest this time. In time for Halloween, we decided to go with something a little different. A fifth Friday Fright Fest. Indeed. But before we get to that, a little follow up. So our last episode, we talked about La Llorona and other wailing women, including the Yara from Brazil. And one of our listeners, a very good longtime listener and actually a friend of mine, wrote in to me and brought up something interesting that I wanted to get your opinion about. Uh, so he said, so why is The Ring a modern day adaptation of a Yara story? And what is it trying to warn us about in an electronically slash technologically centered culture? Which I thought that was interesting because I didn't think of The Ring immediately. But when you think of the, do you, did you saw The Ring? The movie The Ring? I did, but like <laughs> like 15 years ago, probably. Yeah, so it was like a super creepy movie. It was actually a remake of a Japanese movie. But in it, there's basically like a videotape that you watch, and there's all sorts of like really creepy, weird imagery on the videotape. When you're done watching the videotape, your phone rings, and then just a creepy voice says seven days, and then you die seven days later. And there's this like journalist who's investigating this. And it turns out that after seven days, there's this super creepy, like young girl that crawls out of the TV and like murders you. And that's how you die. And it's like, turns out that it's like this ghost of this girl who was like drowned. And when she comes out of the TV, she's like sopping wet and like obviously looks like she's like been been drowned or been in water for a very long time. Yeah. Which I think that's where kind of the, the similarities go. I don't actually think it's a really the same type as like the Yara, but it is interesting that there is in a completely different culture, again, coming from the original movie in Japan, which has, you know, Japan has their a very strong like ghost culture. This like they do. This like drowned person, drowned woman that comes back to get like vengeance on you for the fact that she was drowned, you know? The thing, so like, I, I'm just, I'm like trying to remember like the movie and like what it was about and like for the second half of like his question. Yeah, the of, technologically centered. Yeah. Um. Well, because like this, this story doesn't, like it doesn't fully make sense to me how it's like, this woman drowned, but then somehow she got inside of a videotape. Yeah, I can't remember in the in the I can't remember in the movie how that happened. I think I think the original tape like originated at the place where she was drowned. Like so she was actually like murdered. Like so another girl like pushed her into this well. She was trapped in a well for a long time and then she drown and died which may be spoilers for a movie that came out like 20 years ago but yeah i think what it what it is to me is an interesting thing about what we talk about on the podcast all the time is like it's this old kind of a folklore urban legend aspect but 
modernized in a way where it's like it is being transmitted and broadcast via technology. Like, yeah, the haunting spreads through technology. And I think, you know, the filmmakers are trying to make some kind of point about the way information and things are spreading, which is really crazy to think about from a perspective nowadays where like a videotape is not the easiest way to get something to spread. Like a ghost going through the internet, going viral could just like kill the whole world, you know? Yeah. No. And actually like, I mean, well, this is a topic that might come up as we're talking about like urban legends today that this story it seems like a like a bridge tale, like almost where it's like what you said, like they took an element that is kind of this like classic spooky story element of like a woman drowned, which, yeah, we've talked about all like it comes up all over the world because unfortunately people murder women. And so there's like this like murdered woman who has been wronged. And because of that, like, Becomes Injustice. like a vengeful spirit. Yeah, she, you know, has this power now over the living world that she didn't have when she was alive. And so you have that, like, mythological figure, and then you're mixing it with, like, it's happening now. Like, this isn't some old story that happened, like, a long time ago in a land far away. It's happening here, here and, now, and now and, like, in our time. And it is funny that it's, like, a... A, a cassette tape, like a VHS tape. Yeah. Because now it's kind of like, no, no, no. Because no. now, I mean, people barely use DVDs. Yeah. It would have to be like, yeah, it would like have to be said, like a like haunted TikTok or something like that. <laughs> a haunted TikTok challenge if you do the, the ring <laughs> challenge. No, and it, like what's, I mean, what's interesting is we've kind of seen in um, like more modern times, that there has like, and this is kind of getting into what we're talking about today, urban legends. Yeah. Right now on like Reddit, you have like creepy pasta. Yeah. Which are like spooky, creepy stories that people are posting. And they're usually, they're like, they're urban legends because the, re I mean, usually the reason, the ones I find the creepiest are the ones that they almost seem like they're real. Yeah. Um, are they like could be happening? So it's like you have stuff like creepypasta. You have Slender Man. Who was the what was the lady that was popping up? Momo. Oh, Momo. It was just Momo. I think oh, it might just be Momo. Momo freaked me out. That so was so creepy. Much. And that one it just seemed like it was just a creepy picture. Yeah. But I don't know why it was a really creepy picture that like freaked me out. That's the thing that I did think was interesting as like a a tie into this episode was within the movie of The Ring. This what became an urban legend. Like that's why people would watch the tape, similar to like Bloody Mary or something like that. People heard like there's yeah. this videotape that if you watch it, then you die in seven days. So people were like doing this challenge based on this urban legend. But in the world of the movie, it actually happens to be true, you know. So I thought that was a fun, like yeah. little little thought experiment. Yeah, of just like okay, like let's look at the ring because it uses yeah like that same element, but then it moves it into like a different space and it's funny because um so as much as i love like like obviously fairy tales folklore that stuff it's i'm a person that like i don't really look at a whole lot of um like modern adaptations of stories yeah and 
it, it, it's just like it's something that I'm like, eh, like it's just doesn't I'm, interest like, you as it much. It doesn't interest me, and it's not like I'm not saying like, oh, I like uh, because I'm a higher brow, like full of no, no, no. Like, well, we've talked about this before. Like, yeah, you, you said about how you like it because it's a portal by which you can go in and learn about other cultures. And a remake, you're going to learn more about here and now and the culture that's making the remake than you yeah. would about the original culture. So it's not as interesting to you because there's not the like historical aspect of it. Yeah, I totally I, get that. And I think like the most important part of that is the like to me because I know that there's like there are people who study what the stories being changed says about now. Yeah. And that does interest me in the way that it, it kind of proves the point that you can look at a culture through their tales. Right. I'm just like, I'm looking, I want to look back and like pick through that instead of, yeah, like looking at it right now. Cause I've already bought into like the belief in the theory that you can look at a tale and understand right. like the culture. <laughs> yeah. But no, it, it is interesting to talk about like, the ring to be like, okay, let's see like how they tapped into this. Because I mean, when you take an element that is familiar to people and you make it seem like it could happen right now. Yeah. That instantly, like you get a reaction from people like a physical visceral react, which is what urban legends are. So what are urban legends? Urban legends are essentially, stories that may or may not contain supernatural paranormal elements. But what they are are kind of these stories that don't have any, like, real facts about them. So they are, like, legends because they could be real, but there's no solid evidence that they're real. But also the urban part is the the fact that they are more contemporary to us. Instead of taking place like a long time ago or a land far away, they are happening like now, or they've happened so recently that like, you should still be afraid that like the pig man is still lurking in the woods. (laughs) If you go out to like wherever. And so sometimes urban legends are used to as like cautionary tales. Sometimes they're morality tales Most of the time, they're just, like, filled with elements that have, like, a lot of, like, shock and awe. Just to be great stories. Just to be something that kind of, like, spooks you and freaks you out. And they're a perfect thing for campfires, dark nights with your teenage friends. And Halloween. Yeah, (laughs) slumber parties and Halloween. Right. And it seems like within urban legends, there's different kinds. There's some that are meant to actually like trick you or even if they're not meant to trick you, they're meant to seem completely real and plausible. But then there are some that it's like it seems almost like tall tale ish where we all just buy into the fact that, oh, yeah, this is something that totally could really happen, even though it probably didn't, you know? Yes. And because there is that spectrum, I think it's interesting from tale to tale. I think different people fall into different levels of like belief. Because I would say like UFOs and aliens and stuff like that is also like kind of a common urban legend type thing. But there are some people that like literally believe 
in like aliens that have come and like these UFO sightings and abductions. And there's some people that think that they're just fun, interesting stories. So yeah, I think urban legends are fascinating for that reason. Oh yeah. And that's what like when, cause I've had people kind of throughout the last year message and ask if we were going to talk about urban legends. Cause that's one of their areas that they really enjoy that they find like really fascinating. And I was like, Oh yeah, we'll definitely, we'll definitely do that at some point and it just like got pushed back because like we have some there's so much material to talk about with like f- like folklore fairy tales mythology like yeah. all this but there are lots of different like genres of urban legends where you have stories of like the paranormal and even saying like stories of the paranormal that lumps in cryptids like yeah. Bigfoot. Cryptids are like my favorite. Jersey Devil. So it lumps in when you say paranormal, it also is like, okay, that's cryptids, that's aliens and ghosts. And those are very those are those genres are very different from each other also. So it's like you say paranormal and it's like you lump all these in. But then you also have like internet, computer related urban legends whether it's ones that are based through like chain letters where yeah. it's things where it's like oh if you don't answer this then like you are going to like be murdered um, and then two days later my aunt was murdered like yeah like stories like that where it's like kind of like internet technology based ones so yeah you have a lot of when technology becomes new, there is usually some anxiety around that, and that manifests inside of stories. One example of that is a Korean fan death. So that's this is a not internet-based, but this is kind of a technology, an advancement in technology-based urban legend. Yeah. I had a friend of mine who used to live in Korea ask me about this specifically a couple months ago and so i like put it on my like list so korean fan death was submitted by camille and just so people know if you message us ideas it goes on to this like list of stuff we don't just forget about it <laughs> but it might be a while before we get <laughs> bear with us we're not ignoring you um, so she had asked about Korean fan death and I was like, wait, wait, what in the world? Because when she had been in Korea, people had told her like, oh, don't turn on like an electric fan inside of your room. If you don't like open the doors, like you can't just turn on an electric fan in a closed room because you'll die. And she was like, <laughs> what? So yeah, she was like, I don't understand why that would be true so when i was like looking into it i was like oh this is so interesting to me so people would say like oh yeah if you turn on an electric fan while those doors are closed you'll either die you'll get nauseous you'll be asphyxiated you'll have facial paralysis (laughs) and people were like wait 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 (laughs) what so there are like people who like firmly believe that and uh like live by that rule and haven't really kind of checked into it. But meanwhile, you also have younger people who have had fans their whole life and they're like, no, this isn't like a thing. So looking into it, I found out that like the, 
there's basically ever since these fans were created and introduced in Korea, like almost immediately people started these stories about like the dangers right. of like these fans inside the room, which it might sound silly. Like at first, like, cause I'm kind of like, why would they believe that? But then at the same time, like I know that I've known people who like when microwaves became a thing, like I have old people in my life who still are like, Oh, you can't go near a microwave. Like don't stand near a microwave. Like when I was pregnant, mm. there were like, old grandma ladies who were like, don't you can't like, you can't use a microwave while you're pregnant and you need to tell your husband like not to turn on a microwave in your house. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Yeah. But it's that like fear of like, Oh, like the radiation. So I laugh at like Korean fan death, but at the same time, it exists in our culture too. (laughs) Yeah. It's, I think about like cell phones, you know, they always talk about like, Oh, you're going to get, brain cancer or whatever from like using from a cell phone and holding it up to your head. head. And it's like so far that hasn't really proven to be true at all. But people were legitimately scared about that, you know? And it is like exactly what you're saying, like the fear of unno- the unknown. It's like you don't know what could happen. There are so many things in the past that have happened from things that they didn't know. Like, you know, you think of like they were painting, you know, glow in the dark watch faces with radium. And these women that painted those on would lick the paintbrushes to get them to a nice fine tip to then paint radium, not knowing that the radium that was radioactive was going to actually cause some serious health problems with them down the road. So it's like there are instances where fears like that have been actually founded, but there's also times when it's not. Well, because I feel like I had heard almost like since I was old enough to like have a cell phone. That my parents were like, never fall asleep with a cell phone. It will catch you on fire. Like, it'll catch on fire. Like, you don't know if it'll catch on fire. Don't sleep with it in your bed. Because sometimes I'd fall asleep, like, texting my boyfriend. Because (laughs) I was just a basic teenager. Texting my boyfriend at night. And my parents were like, oh, no, it's going to catch your bed on fire. And I was like, okay, that's, like, make-believe. And then, like, ten years later, there was... uh, a cell phone that got like recalled because it kept catching on fire. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, Oh my gosh, my parents were right the whole time. I was risking they my weren't. life every night. Yeah. I like, I was risking my life every night, but it's like, no, that's like, that's not real. I mean, but some, so some of the proposed causes for like where the fan death, like came from, like why people thought that was like a real thing to be concerned about was because there were a lot of buildings at the time that were using asbestos. Mm. And when it would when you turn like a fan on, the asbestos like dust would be getting like kicked up and like moved around, but it it's unclear whether that would actually like increase cases of lung cancer, even like enough to be like noted, you know, like to right. be like a phenomenon. Because, I mean, if you if somebody has lung cancer and they're like, oh, all of these people like ate rice, maybe it's from rice, like yeah. because all those people probably did eat rice because like a lot of human beings do. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and so like, you know, people might say, oh, he got lung cancer. I bet it was from the fan being on like uh, it's kind of a leap. Yeah. That's so interesting that that's a thing, though. So, today, 
I have my IW mug. It's back from Yay. our character alignment episode. <laughs> our least listened to episode, so people won't understand the callback. <laughs> it's like it's a callback reference. No one listened to that episode. But to get you all caught um, caught up, the IW mug is a mug that says IW and it has two doves that are in love and it's adorable. Yeah. And it's like, what does it have to do with uh, folklore and fairy tale? Nothing. Nothing. I just love birds, and I bought myself this mug to keep on my desk. (laughs) (laughs) I'm I'm not sure if it's funny or sad that you bought yourself the IW mug. (laughs) (laughs) Or if it's it's sweet and inspirational and a sign of... Self-care and... It was like, I saw this mug and the mug was like, I W And I was like, I W too. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, wow, that's so sad. There's no purer Uh, love than between a woman and her mug. (laughs) Amen. This is beautiful. So, yeah, we used it as a way to kind of, like, pull out our character alignments uh, when we did that episode and I figured this would be a good one too. Cause we had a lot of people write in about like urban legends that they know knew either on the Facebook post, the Instagram or th- privately through the last like year <laughs> <laughs> people were like, Hey, can you talk about like this urban legend? What was interesting is one of the urban legends that kind of kept popping up was that people kept mentioning was La Llorona and I'm like oh too late (laughs) we just did that but what is cool to mention like about that one is like because when we talked about the story we mostly talked about the 16th century version like of the story yeah where like it came from and then like briefly mentioned that it kind of had hopped into like urban legend like territory it Mm -hmm. hopped into like movies that were like more modern um and that the use of it now is as a cautionary tale like for children not to be naughty or run away or <laughs> la Yorona will grab them and drown them so like just a perfect lead-in but yes i'm gonna pull out a piece of paper can you hear that ASMR. So so satisfying. So, first one that we're going to be talking about is... Ooh. Chelsea Smile. Hmm. Also called the Glasgow Smile, and also called the Cheshire Grin. Uh Uh-huh. Basically, what it is, is the Chelsea Smile refers to somebody getting the side of their mouth slit... Joker style. And then Joker style, where it looks... Oh, gosh. It then creates... I know, imagining it is Horrible. so gross. Because, like, cutting What's, the cheeks at the corners of the mouth to make, like, a bigger mouth opening. Yeah. But the... So the urban legend that kind of goes, like, behind that is, like, apparently in Glasgow, Scotland, or Chelsea, England... There were said to be like gangs that really did this, that they would go and cut, like slash somebody's mouth like that, yeah. but then rub 
like salt oh, into gosh. it so that it would like heal heal badly. Oh man. So that it would like show up. Yeah. Well, but then like the more contemporary stories are like people would say like, oh yeah, like one day while so and so was like walking home from school, somebody from this like Chelsea gang or Glasgow gang grabbed them and like gave them a Chelsea smile. And like if you're not careful, you're gonna get grabbed and given the Glasgow smile. Chelsea smile. Yeah, just for walking down the street. Yeah, just for walking down the street or like dressing to like uppity, like just whatever the reason that that person needs in that moment to yeah. tell somebody they better watch out because like for some reason this gang is like roving uh-huh. and <laughs> wants to like rub like salt in their face. Gosh. The one person who told me about this, it was someone on Instagram and they said that it was uh salt and vinegar chips. Oh, they would man. say like, oh they'll rub salt and vinegar chips, <laughs> which I'm like, that's a very local threat. Yeah. I love salt and vinegar <laughs> chips. That would be like a combination of heaven and hell all at once. I'd be like, oh it tastes so good, but it burns but so, it hurts bad. so bad. <laughs> but this one, I'm like this one, why it like I feel like one reason why it's it freaks you out is because, um, you know, we have mirror neurons in our brains that help us to, like, protect us. If we see somebody else get hurt, we feel a portion of that pain. Mm-hmm. Or, like, we can understand that happening. That's why, like, when you are watching, like, when a guy is watching a video of somebody get hit in the nuts, yeah. they grab, like, their own nuts. Yeah. And they're, like testicles just like suck into their body to hide (laughs) it's not because their testicles are in any danger or have actually been like harmed it's because our brain is like suck the testicles in just like don't let it happen to me but it's totally true when you hear that you just viscerally respond to it you can so easily imagine how badly that that would hurt it makes you cringe (laughs) it did to me just now yeah well because even like with how much of like a weenie I am like when I eat those like popsicles that are in the tubes, the plastic tubes (laughs) and they're sharp or like cheap plastic spoons. If you're eating like ice cream or yogurt and they just have like cheap plastic spoons and you don't realize that you're like slicing the corners of your mouth and that hurts so bad. Yeah. And so to imagine somebody like coming at you with like a knife, it's so scary scary like your insides have that like like clench reaction yeah even though even if you don't believe that that's actually going to happen just like the idea of it like coming up Mm -hmm. just freaks you out that's interesting and that's one of the ones that it's like oh it could be could be real like i had never heard the modern version of it of like oh it'll happen to you like walking down the street i but i had heard you know people talking about it's like you know gangs would use it as like punishment against like their own members who are like snitches or like rival gang members or something like that. Like as like this supposed like historical fact where it's like, I don't know if that's actually even true, but that's how it had always been presented. And now that you say that, I'm like, wait, no, that sounds familiar to me too. That it's like, if they caught them doing something bad one time, they would slice one side. Mm. And then if they caught them doing it again, they'd slice the other side. So that then you would know, like, don't trust that guy. Yeah. He's like double. Two-faced. Oh, no. <laughs> that's a good one. 
He's got both sides Hilarious. done. It's like you yeah, get kicked got, out like, of the gang. Both, it's like your yeah. totem chip in like Boy Scouts. Like if you use your knife wrong, <laughs> they cut off a corner, and like once all the corners are gone, you have to like re-earn the whole thing. Like once you got both sides, like you're out of the gang and yep, no getting out. back in. So let's see. That was a good one to start with. That was. So I pulled out UFOs, which UFOs are not my favorite topic. I don't know why. I don't. Hmm. That's something I'll have to explore like inside myself. <laughs> I love UFOs. Um, I feel like when I was a kid, so I watched, uh, we've talked about this before. I've watched a lot of unsolved mysteries like when I was a kid. <laughs> so I don't know why. Maybe I am truly afraid of like getting like probed. <laughs> and so I just don't, I'm like, no. Nope. I don't like UFOs. Um, But the history behind UFOs is like super fascinating. And it's actually another one of those like technology kind of based urban legends because like UFO stories kind of took off and were increasing as humans started to actually send humans into space. Yeah. Or even just be able to fly. Yeah. So think of like the 50s. Well, I guess that isn't. That's when they're sending people into space. You're right. So, I mean, it's like people throughout pretty much like recorded history have been like observing the skies and every now and then they'll see stuff that they're like, I don't understand what that is. So you even have stuff dating back to like 1000 BC where people are saying like they're seeing like fiery like things coming out of the sky. And so, you know, at that point, those could be just normal space events they didn't understand so like you we've had ufo sightings pretty much throughout the history of like the the world but they really started to take off during like the space race yeah where it was kind of like what if there's other things out there and i think i mean part of that anxiety might be like if we lowly human beings are able to get out into space. What if there's something that's better than us? <laughs> like scarier than us. That's already so far ahead of us in their technology that they're coming here. Yeah. And so, yeah, to me, this like, to me, UFOs is a lot of anxiety. Like people feeling like a lot of anxiety about like going into space. Yeah. I think it's really interesting what you're saying because think of the year 1900 and what the world was like people were getting around by at best locomotives and then within 50 years we are flying we are launching things into outer space we have electricity lighting up our houses like in that 50 year time span which is somebody's lifetime Yeah. Technology advanced so quickly. So it's like, if we can advance so quickly, it makes sense that someone that had even just a little bit of a head start on us could be miles ahead of where we are. Yeah. And that, like, they're coming for us. And they talk about, too, I mean, there was the Cold War and things starting, too, when a lot of this stuff was happening. You know, you've got, like, Sputnik and the Russians sending satellites into space. We had our government developing secret weapons, secret like aircraft that they didn't want other people to know about. So it's like lots of people say that, you know, there are these like aircraft tests that, of course, they're going to deny that anything was happening. 
So people were seeing things. They just didn't know what they were because the government was trying to keep them secret. Yeah. And it's like when we don't understand what something is, we try to make sense of it. Yeah. That's exactly. I mean, especially like the U.S. at the time. I mean, they had obviously created the atomic bomb and that had been shrouded in a lot of secrecy. They were doing a lot of stuff out away from people in the middle of the nowhere, uh, in the middle of nowhere desert in the U.S. Yeah. To test these like secret new weapons. And so it's like, People were anxious about the stuff that was the secret stuff that all the governments were doing. People were afraid of the like communist countries creating weapons to attack us. And they also didn't know what our government was testing. And so, I mean, those were like the two things. Anytime something was like found or some weird thing was cited, you had people who were saying like, like, it's aliens, it's extraterrestrials. And then you had other people who thought that they were more sane, saying, like, no, it's secret government weaponry. Yeah. And and even some I, of that could be urban legend and exactly. just made-up stuff. So it's like, exactly. who do you believe? Because, yeah, it's, it's like it could have just been, like, an atmospheric phenomenon. Yeah. Or something. Because it's like... There are things that are still kind of like unexplained that people are still like, you know, trying to fully understand. We've talked we talked a little bit a long time ago, like a year ago, briefly mentioned like bog lights. Yeah. Which like are also like Will of the Wisps. Um I'm trying to remember Min Min lights. These like mysterious lights that people think they see either in bogs or swamps or sometimes out on in deserts or People see these lights and then sometimes it ends up being like bog gas that might create like a weird light phenomenon. It's not that it fluoresces, but that it, like the way that it reflects the light. light. Yeah. So there is stuff where it's like, it could have just been something happening with clouds. I mean, I think about the guy who, the double rainbow guy on YouTube. Yeah. When like, he didn't know that double rainbows were real. Uh-huh. Or that, um, so that I guess they could he was, happen. that they could happen. So he was like taken by surprise and he was like, what does it mean? Cause he, like, I mean, he was like so shocked and surprised cause he just didn't know. <laughs> and also out of his mind on drugs. Let's not forget that. Yeah. Part of it. <laughs> <laughs> but there's, I, I remember seeing, and this was probably like 12 years ago. There was like a YouTube video of like a woman who was recording rainbows coming out of like, her sprinklers were going and you could see rainbows inside of the water that uh, like the mist and she was filming it. And she was like, what is in our water supply that this is happening, Uh that I can see this happening? Like what's going on in our water supply? And it was just the time of day that she was watering the lawn that the mist in the air she had the sun behind her, so it was, like, shining through, and yeah. it was creating a rainbow, which is exactly how rainbows are made. But this woman, because she was seeing it so small and low to the ground, and she'd never seen it before, she was confused and thought, like, I guess that the water was poisoned with rainbow? I don't know. Maybe <laughs> she thought crazy it... crazy chemicals are in here, the, all these different colors? Because I'm like, maybe she was thinking of, like, the, like, 
oil and puddles that makes yeah. that like schmeary oil yeah. rainbow, grease rainbow. Yeah. And so, yeah, I'm like, maybe that's what she was worried was like in the water. And so it's funny because like, even though the science is there where it's like, we understand stuff like that, there are still people who exist in the world who don't know about things, even though the knowledge does exist, if that right. makes sense. Yeah. And I'm not, I do want to point out like, we all have gaps in our knowledge I'm not saying that <laughs> it just was like, oh, no, this like lady thinks that she's being like poison. So in full confession mode, too, everyone has their like conspiracy theories or whatever that they actually like believe in or like kind of believe in. And yeah. UFOs is mine. And I'm really interested in it because of that reason. Like, I'm not sure how I feel about it, but there's interesting things like you hear about. I don't want to go too much down this road because we'll turn into like a completely different podcast. But like, you know, Bob Lazar, who supposedly worked at Area 51 and was hired to reverse engineer this piece of alien technology that like had, as far as our understanding of physics, like properties that defied physics. And he came out. And a lot of people were saying, too, like back in like the 50s and 60s, where you just had like kind of low resolution, not very sensitive, like film cameras. You saw a yeah. lot more pictures of like ghosts or UFOs, but it's like recently since we have better cameras and everyone has cameras, we don't see those things as much. But yeah. then you have like the declassified naval pilots where they encounter these like strange orbs that are flying around that these are like very intelligent people that understand aircraft, people that understand how to observe things and they're seeing flying objects that they cannot understand that defy the laws of physics as they know them that they're like either someone has technology so advanced that we don't that we're in huge trouble another like earthly country or there are aliens that have the sufficiently advanced technology i can't remember the name of the pilot he was on like the joe rogan podcast and he's been done other interviews and it's like he was not a believer in ufos or anything at all but he had this experience and then he goes and he tells his story. And it's like, it's really compelling to kind of listen to this person and believe him again. I'm not sure exactly where I f- fall on this thing, but it is like, yeah. this is one that we were talking about at the beginning where there's like this whole spectrum of people that are like, this is complete BS and people that are like, this could be true. So, well, okay. So uh, like there are people like Carl Sagan believed that there was life on other planets. Right. Very smart man. And he also, like, when people were, like, talking about, like, UFOs and interested in these, like, sightings and stuff like that, he fully was like, yeah, let's go all the way. And so, like, even though he was, like, kind of a skeptic of things that weren't explainable by science, he was like, if he could see a way that science could explain something, even if it's science that we haven't encountered yet. Yeah. Cause like his, his theory was like, if we are on this planet in space and there's like so much more space and planets yeah. and universe out there, there have to be more people or like other planets that support life. Yeah. Just because sheer numbers, sheer numbers, like if it happened here, it could happen other places. And so like, I mean, he worked on a program that would send like a um, like disk of information out into space just in case it ran into like other life. And so 
it's not that he was like, oh, into like super he conspiracy was a believer. theories. He was a believer, but in the sense that like he thought there must be something there. And whatever it was, he wanted to explain it through science. Right. And like it was open to the fact like he didn't necessarily believe that people were being abducted and things were happening, but he believed it was possible and he was like exploring it to find out whether it's true or not or whether it could be true, I guess. Yeah. Whatever. And All so right. I'm like, so I'm like, you're you're in good company <laughs> and, and being like, I think that there's something because it's like there was like unsolved mysteries had like has had like a reboot on Netflix recently yeah. and one of their first set of episodes they talked about UFOs this one specific like town wide like UFO sighting and yeah. i was like listening to that and like it had me being like okay something. what did they see cuz yeah. obviously they saw something because it was like so many of them and it's like much like Sagan like it's not that I am like gonna buy into like anything insane but it's not insane to believe that there might be life out there like out in the universe and or it's not insane to think that some kind of experiment went awry or got out of the hands of some government like whatever who knows they were opening a door to the upside down yes but whatever it is, like, it's solvable by, by science. I think, like, another way to kind of explain, like, the point that I'm making. Oddly, is taking us to, like, a yeti. So, a cryptid is an animal that's been claimed to exist, but never proven to exist. And I remember reading this one story, like, a news story, where somebody had been somewhere out in, like, the Himalayan mountains. And they thought that they encountered a yeti and they were like a scientist and when the what they thought was like a yeti a, an abominable snowman <laughs> like ran off they went to the place where they had run off and they gathered like the hair that had come off of it when it ran through the bushes and when they went back and did like a dna study on it they discovered that it what they had seen was a bear but a an old bear, like a type of bear that they like thought was extinct Mm -hmm. because it was so secluded in like the Himalayan mountains. But people were really upset that the article was claiming like to have found out what the Yeti was. They were like, we have solved the, because they're like, that's not a Yeti because it wasn't what they had thought a Yeti like would be. Right. Or like describe. So even though science was like, oh, we figured it out. People are like, no, you didn't because you didn't find the thing that I wanted you to find. Yeah. This wasn't a Yeti. This one was people mistaken and they saw this bear. But there's a real Yeti out there still that we haven't found. So what was upsetting to people was they were like, they wanted to believe that the Yeti was one thing. They wanted to believe that the Yeti was a wild man like living out in like the woods and the answer of like, well, but it's probably a bear. Like, that's not satisfying. Yeah. And it kind of ruins the story. So if you're into like the legends for the mystery of them, you don't necessarily want answers. You want more stories. Yeah. And I think that's like some of the fun with like UFOs is that just the wildly different stories 
that like you get with like UFOs from people like being abducted and seeing inside of the spaceship to people who just like saw like streaks of light or giant like what looks like a giant space vehicle sitting in the sky next oh my goodness just now i was like oh i wonder if we're gonna get to this one so this so i just pulled out tsunami ghosts Ooh. Ooh. yeah this one was a super creepy one that i'd never heard of my wife was the one that first brought it to my attention and then she like shared an article with me and then we discovered that it was on like the latest volume of unsolved mysteries that had come out just like this week, basically. So I read like a bunch of articles about these tsunami ghosts and then watched that episode. And it was like super fascinating. If not just because it's a fascinating story in itself, but because I was in Japan in 2011 when the tsunami happened, I felt the earthquake that caused the tsunami. I was like hundreds of miles away and it lasted so long. And I remember where I was, it was like, and we felt like we were in a boat that was like rocking back and forth. Nothing even fell over. Some You could hear like shades and things rattling. But yeah. I remember when it was done, someone was like, wow, that was really big somewhere. And it turns out it was really, really big and a really horrible event. So it was like that in that earthquake and tsunami, you know, tens of thousands of people died or went missing. And it's like the footage of that tsunami is just like so haunting to see just the power of the ocean rushing in and just bowling cars over, smashing them into each other and like ripping houses off, sending them down there. But the story of these tsunami ghosts is also really fascinating. So there was this graduate student of sociology in Japan who traveled to this city called Ishinomaki, which was one of the places that was like really badly affected by the tsunami. Because he had heard that there were a bunch of these ghost stories coming out, especially among like cab drivers. And so he interviewed a bunch of them about their stories and they had all sorts of really fascinating encounters. There was one that the the cab driver one night he was driving along, he stopped to pick up a fare and it was a woman and she was like soaked just like from head to toe in these soaked clothes. So he's like feeling bad for her. She gets in the car. She says where she wants to go. And it was a place that had been basically like wiped out by the tsunami. And he was like, you know that there's like nothing there, right? It's like, what do you want to go there for? And she's like, oh, well, that's just, I'm just trying to get home. And they start driving and he starts talking. He's like, are you sure you want to go there? And she's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's like, that area is like empty. And then this woman, I guess, suddenly has this realization and she just turns to him and she's like, wait, have I died? And of course, him thinking that was a really weird question, looks back to see the woman in the back seat, and she's completely disappeared. And there are a bunch of stories like that where the people that they've encountered, again, soaked clothes, indicating maybe they had drowned in the tsunami, and they don't know that they're dead. And there was another one where this guy picked up, you know, a young man who was like wearing a heavy winter coat, even though it was August, when he picked him up again, like soaking wet, drove him all the way out to this really remote area. And when he turned around to collect the fare for the guy getting out, it was just the back seat empty and he disappeared. And they've talked about there are lots of these that happen. And the other interesting thing is there is like corroborating evidence because there are the 
logs of these fares, like where the person picked them up, how far they drove, where they drove to drop them off. And these fares had been being paid and they, you know, went along with the stories that the cab drivers were telling, but someone had to have paid the fare. And it turns out the cab drivers were paying these out of their own pockets. And in some ways, in really cool kind of way, like this was the cab driver's giving back to these people who had died, helping them to pass on, to realize that they had died and so that they could go on to like the next life or the next world, the world first spirit. So they would not be trying to stick around. It was like, there's something like kind of creepy about these like ghost stories. Like that would be creepy seeing someone soaking wet, get in the back of your cab and disappear. But the thing that I loved about it was the kind of like sweet aspect of it was these cab drivers are, making it kind of their mission to help these people to move on, which is like a heartwarming ghost story. You don't get those all the time, you know? Heartwarming ghost stories. And we didn't mention this in the last episode that we did on tsunamis, but I was living in Thailand during what's called the Boxing Day tsunami, mostly because it was like such a, a horrible, traumatic, thing yeah to like have happen and but when you told me about the tsunami ghosts in japan i was like curious yeah and so i like looked up to see if that had happened because in the back of my mind i like felt like i remembered hearing stories about like different supernatural kind of like events like after that happened cuz i knew that there were some people who didn't want to eat the fish after that was from that part of the ocean after something happened because they it was i it was either because they were like i don't want to eat fish that could have eaten the people mm that I loved but also there is an element of like if my relatives like spirit or the spirit of these people like went into these fish then like I don't want to consume these fish or if these fish are my like reincarnated relatives I don't want to like eat this fish so I kind of remember like hearing like different types of stuff like that like when I was in Thailand and so I looked up to see if there was any like tsunami ghosts in Thailand and I saw that there are reports even in like the Wall Street Journal so even like a month after the tsunami happened there were like reports of ghosts from the tsunami and it was like much less like heartwarming than like kind of the the cab driver yeah. stories that were like presented because these are a lot more of like people seeing soaking wet children mm. running around or people who said that at night they could hear just like the screams from like Gosh. the ocean yeah and that they were like, it's the souls that are like trapped out there. And like when I heard the thing about like this, like the screaming. Yeah. I'm like, I have experienced olfactory hallucinations. That's when like I have hallucinated um, smells. Yeah. From a traumatic event. Mm-hmm. And so to me, people who were like on the islands saying that at night they can hear the screams. To me, I'm like, that sounds a lot less like a haunting and a lot more like trauma. Yeah. But like one thing in this one article that I was reading, 
And you and I have talked about this like a little bit before talking about like grief and trauma and stuff is that it doesn't matter whether the ghosts are psychological or supernatural. Right. Because they're happening for real to that person. Like it's real. It's real to the person like experiencing it. And people who have used their religion to frame it and deal with it have been able to like find success through that of saying like, Oh, my ancestor can't visit me until like I do a proper like burial. And so they'll usually like come up with some kind of a ritual that will allow them to feel that closure of doing that. Yeah. Because like sudden death is very shocking on the souls of the living. Yeah. And there does need to be like a process of like grieving and like dealing with that. And so whether those cab drivers are hallucinating the tsunami ghost, whether, whether it's psychological or paranormal, them paying those fares or them driving that route. Yeah is healing their souls, whether it is actually doing a benefit of helping to lay that person to rest by doing that final drive for them back to their home, if the people are like driving back to my home. Either that's doing something real for those people's souls and they're solving the problem, or by driving to that location, the soul of the taxi driver is healed. Yeah. And so it's like, does it matter? Like whether it's real or imagined? Yeah, like it's doing real good. Like it's doing real harm in the feeling of like being haunted, and it's doing real good for them through these rituals that are helping to resolve it. And that's something they talked about in the episode was really, really good. So if you at home have Netflix and you want to watch it, it's like it was a really tough watch because they just do go into the real traumatic events that had happened with the tsunami. But it is like one of the most uplifting things that I've watched in a long time, as far as like, especially it being a ghost story. Yeah. I thought it was really sweet when like you and your wife like messaged me and you were like, like, Oh, we just finished the episode and I'm crying. Cause it was just like, it was like a spiritual experience. It was just like really like sweet and life affirming. Yeah. Really touching. Kind of like, Yeah. Not all urban legends are as touching, I imagine, though. <laughs> I'm like, let's find some that aren't. Slender like, Man. Such a, no one, I'm like, no one mentions Slender Man. Oh, but Wrinkles the Clown. I haven't heard so, of this one. This is actually super interesting. So if people want to look up on, I think it's Hulu. There's a documentary called Wrinkles the Clown. And it is fascinating because it is this story about how, like, this guy accidentally kind of, like, became an urban legend (laughs) on the internet. Wow. And it's super fascinating. The person who told me about this documentary, which I, like, loved, her name's Lara, and she was like, I don't know if this is exactly what you're into, but here's this documentary. I think that you would like it. And I'm like, dude, and I loved it <laughs> because it, it, it totally goes into. So it's like, there's this guy who invented basically like a character for himself called wrinkles, the clown. 
and he's a performance artist and people started using him as a way to like frighten their children that they were like, I'm going to call wrinkles the clown and have him come and get you because so this guy, he had made YouTube videos of being creepy yeah, online. And so like people would show the video to their kids to like freak them out of like, Oh my gosh, there's this like creepy clown, like running loose coming to like kill people. Cause one of the first videos that he posted, I believe it was one of the first ones that he posted. It's there's this little girl like sleeping in her bed and it looks like it's like a security camera video. There's just this little girl sleeping in her bed And then all of a sudden you see this hand creep out from this like drawer that's underneath her bed and it like pushes the drawer out. And then this clown like climbs out and it like hands this little girl, her teddy bear. And she looks like she's about to wake up, but then she like doesn't. And then like the clown turns around and like sees the camera and walks towards it and like pulls it down or whatever. Um, and so, like, it's really, really creepy yeah. because it's a small child in a vulnerable situation. Like, at night, you're terrified for the child, yeah. like, whatever. So, like, he had made this video, and then he had started posting his telephone number, just, like, wrinkles the clown and, like, his telephone number and putting it out in the city. Yeah. And so people would call the number, and he would answer it in his wrinkles the clown persona Uh and so they knew that like this phone number actually went somewhere it it went to like wrinkles the clown and so then people started using it to terrify their kids where they're like if you don't behave i'm gonna call wrinkles the clown and they would dial (laughs) the phone number yeah and either they would get the answering machine and it was wrinkles the clown being like this is my phone like blah 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 and the kids would start screaming and freaking out because the parents would basically be like, I'm going to have him come over here and do to you what he like did to like that little kid and like the video, which this performance artist never intended for that to happen. Right. Like when he created it, he didn't intend to be turned into this like urban legend of this clown that's going to come and like get you. And then there were people who actually started to dress up like Wrinkles the Clown and So in 2016, there were a bunch of clown sightings that were, it was starting to create like a panic. Yeah. Because there were people who were like up to no good dressed up as Wrinkles the Clown, intent on like, like doing harm. And so it was this thing that because of technology, it turned this like urban legend into something that people could like perform. Yeah. And make real. Wow. So, it's a really interesting documentary. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. And oh, I just, yeah, what was so fascinating to me about it was how human beings create urban legends into something that, like, became more than a legend because it started happening, yeah. like, in the real world. Yeah. So, yeah, it's a really cool <laughs> documentary. Wrinkles the Clown. I think I found it on Hulu. What I think is interesting is I do remember that whole clown panic thing happening in 2016, but I'd never heard of Wrinkles the Clown and like that origin. And I don't remember that name ever being associated with any of the ones that I had seen, but it became this kind of like viral phenomenon. I just think it's interesting how like 
it started off as this performance art piece. People were in the know and they knew like, oh, this is just a thing. You know, like this is a guy who does this thing and it's like kind of funny and like people started using it to their advantage. But then it spreads to people who don't know. They're not in on it. So people believe that it's like an urban legend. And then, like you mentioned, other people start acting it out and making it real. There's so many different layers to this that I just think is like really, really fascinating. So I'm definitely going to watch that documentary. Oh, yeah. You will. You will find it interesting. And I did not spoil it. Ooh, so there's more. Yeah, I'm like, you'll know what I mean when you are watching it. I did not (laughs) I did not spoil it. And then like there's there's tons of it's a very interesting documentary. It says a lot about more than just the person who plays like Wrinkles the Clown. It says a lot about a kind of um, the parents who like abuse their children yeah. by scaring the crap out of them. <laughs> yeah, like parenting. Well, but what's so interesting to me about that is, and I kind of teased this. Yeah, you've been before. wanting to do an episode all about these type of fairy tales and folklore. Yeah, like fa- like fairy tales and folklore that are specifically created to like terrify children. And so it's so interesting to me that like you'll you'll see people who will. Like, tell their kids, oh, if you are not good, then Santa's not going to bring you any presents. Right. But then they're like, oh, like, I would never threaten my child with, like, a clown attack. <laughs> yeah. But, but how <laughs> and I'm that, like, I'm, that leap is not as far as those people would like to believe. Yeah, I'm like... We're all we're all one bad day away from threatening our children with wrinkles the clown. <laughs> I'm gonna need that phone number. Oh man. We're all on the verge. So this one is from Heidi, who wrote on our Facebook page, the Orang Miniac. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. So this is a Malay urban legend. Ooh, cool. From Malaysia. So, Orang Miniac means oily person. And so, in this story, it's told like a couple different ways. There's one where it's like a supernatural creature. There is like apparently movie versions where there's like a guy who sold his soul to like a, a devil, some kind of evil spirit, to have like the like powers. And gets turned into this oily man. Mm -hmm. And then there are stories where it's just like a person, a guy who is like evil and covers himself like in oil so that he can like evade capture by like slipping past people. (laughs) But (laughs) I like just like imagining like a guy doing that and be like, that's messed up. So in like the stories that they would tell, they would talk about how like this creature guy would like either like climb up walls or like lie in wait waiting for like women. And then he would like grab them or he would sneak into their like homes. And he either in the stories is like just abducting them to who knows where the women like disappear. And in other stories, it's like he's sneaking, climbing like through their windows, like at night and Mm -hmm. then like raping them and leaving like this, like oil mark all over, like everything this like grease mark. And it's just, it's 
yeah, I'm like nasty, yeah. like nasty, like creature dude. So there have been apparently like a couple like movies made about like the oily man, which I love that that you know there's like all these like different urban legends that then get taken and turned into like movies or there are movies that get taken and turned into like <laughs> urban legends yeah. it's like they play off of each other like these stories like being told to us entering our psyche kind of like they all like play off of each other because the people who are making the movies probably had heard the story of the orang maniac like in their lives and like how can i turn this into a like really compelling like horror movie like how can i yeah. do this and that's like cool thing about but also, the article that I was reading was saying that there was, like, apparently a period of time in, like, the 1950s where women who were kind of, like, away from home and kind of worried about being attacked by a predator, like, the creature, the orang maniac, they would dress up in, like, sweaty clothing to quote give the appearance of someone who had just been with another man because like apparently this thing like targets virginal women mm -hmm. and so um, what's interesting about like that is that women also feel like oh if i can be as unsexual as possible yeah if i can look as like gross then maybe i can protect myself from being attacked whether from a supernatural creature or just a bad, evil, like, human dude. Yeah. Uh, like, there is that element. Because this story, like, what it totally reads to me as, like, a woman is creating a story that feeds off of that anxiety that, like, already, like, women have right, of, of, like, being, being attacked. attacked by men. Or by, like, predatory monsters, which may be just human men. Yeah. It is interesting because it goes back to again like la llorona in a way that it's it's a creepy story it's scary it could be fun to tell but there is also this message this cautionary tale element to it of like there are things or people out there that may want to harm you here's things that you can do to protect yourself don't go near the water try to look gross and sweaty and whatever you know it's like it is just really interesting how Lots of these things play in on, like you said, the fears that we have. Like, it's natural to be afraid of your children going near water because you know that they can't swim and bad things could happen to them. And it's natural, unfortunately, in the world that we live in to be afraid as a woman that someone might be trying to harm you or, like, you know, prey on you in that way. Yeah. So... That was all the ones that we're going to pull out of the cup, but I have one more urban legend... And this one is more funny than it is creepy. <laughs> Perfect one to end the podcast on. Yes. Because I was telling somebody the other day, because they were like, oh, I don't really like urban legends because they were thinking about my least favorite urban legend, which is the one that is like there's someone licking this lady's hand. Oh, she thought it was the her dog, dog under the bed. Yeah, that one, she was like, I don't like stories like that. I'm like, dude, I don't either. Yeah. The urban legends I like are ones that are kind of, like, funny. Uh -huh. They're, 
alligators being in the sewer because people would say like oh you know that there's like alligators that actually live in the sewer system people because people flush like, their pets down and yeah because like drug dealers would like buy them when they were little for protection but then they would like get into the water system i'm like that's more funny to me than it is like yeah. terrifying. so i like stories like that where it is more it's more lighthearted. The danger doesn't feel that real to me. I don't, I'm not afraid of like alligators in the sewer system. I'm afraid of alligators in the swamp. Yeah. Like a normal person. Yeah. That's, that's where you should be afraid of them. People. <laughs> so when I moved back to Thailand, so there were two times that I lived in Thailand in my life. My family had lived there when I was like, one until when I was eight, but then in 2000 and I want to say it was like 2001, we moved back to Thailand as a family. And so when I got to Thailand, we moved to this neighborhood that was really close to the school that I was going to. And if I tell people what neighborhood it was, they'll also immediately know what school I was going to. <laughs> but there was this like international community that was built like around the school that most people would live in because it was so close to the school. So if you had kids going to that school, you would usually try to like live in that neighborhood. When we had lived in Thailand the first time, we none of the kids had been in school yet. And so when we did start going to school, it was like an hour long bus ride. Oh my gosh. <laughs> To get to the school, which is like a long time for like a kindergartner to, to be have on like bus. a bus, yeah, yeah, to have like a bus ride. So we were living in this neighborhood, and I was gonna go to like the weekend market with like some of my friends, Chattachuk Market. Some people call it JJ Market, which is funny because it sounds like the CH sound. Mm -hmm. Like Chattachuk Market, but then JJ because of different romanizations, like right. of the name. Because obviously, it doesn't matter whether it's spelled with a CH or a J because it's written in Thai. Yeah. It's a Thai <laughs> name. So, but anyway, so like this big weekend market in Bangkok, people would go all the time and people would say, You can buy anything at Chattachuk Market. And that seems to be pretty legit. <laughs> and I was going to look for a hamster because when we had moved to Thailand, I had had to give up my pet gerbil, which I know sound like these sound like the problems of a child. And they were the problems of a child <laughs> because I was a child. So I had been so sad because I had had to give up like my first pet ever when we moved. And my parents had been like, we promise that we'll buy you like a hamster when we go to when we move to Thailand because they don't have gerbils in Thailand. Fun fact. Apparently you can't buy anything in Chattanooga <laughs> market. <laughs> so anyway, when we were getting ready to go, I remember we were telling somebody about it and they were like, just watch out while you're at Chattanooga market because they will try to sell like any kind of animal and you have to like watch out. There was a family one time a couple of years ago that they went to Chattachuk Market to look for a dog and they bought a dog and they came home with it, but it was like acting weird and its 
paws seemed like there there was like deformities there's something going on and it would even like stand on its hind legs like reach up and grab stuff like there was something weird going on like with this dog its body was wrong so they scooped up their little dog and they took it to the vet and the vet told them that it was a bear So they're like, so watch out when you're a Chattachuck because you might end up like buying a bear. And of course, this sounds totally like an urban legend yeah. where it's like, like, yeah, right. Somebody accidentally bought a bear who would accidentally like buy a bear. Yeah, And who would who would accidentally Thinking like a sell dog. a bear as a dog? You know, it's like you think that a bear would cost more money than a dog. Yeah, that, like, why would you just be selling this random, like, I guess, unloading illegal, like, animals? I don't know. So I didn't buy into it, and I would hear it for, like, years. People would tell this story, like, over and over again, and I was like, okay, whatever. So years later, I'm at my brother's high school graduation in Texas, of all places. So I'm... At in Texas, his girlfriend was also graduating, and sh- her family was throwing this big graduation party, and all of her like family and friends were there. So we went to that party also because we were invited, and I started talking to some like random person who was at the party who didn't know my brother but knew the girlfriend's family, and. He was just like asking about general, like getting to know you questions. And I was like, oh, yeah, like I grew up in Thailand. And he was like, oh, that's crazy. I had a friend who lived there once and his family said that they bought a bear on accident one time. (laughs) I seriously like my jaw like dropped. I just like stare at the guy because he said it in this like offhanded like, oh, my friend was so stupid. He lived in Thailand and he bought a bear. Yeah. Like, way, and I was like, oh, my gosh. Completely unaware that, like, this is a thing. Yeah, that that's, like, a thing, that that people, and I was like, oh, my gosh, I thought that was, like, an urban legend in my town. And it was an urban legend because nobody could name the family. Everybody who had heard the story. Like, heard it from a friend who heard it from a friend. Exactly. And so it was just this, like, passing story. But, like, if you Google, like, online, like dog bear mistaken for dog you will get different articles apparently it happens more than you would believe (laughs) so it's actual like actual news like credible news sources with articles that talk about times that this has happened i'm like let me google it really quick i'm like credible i don't know um let's see dog mistaken for bear businessinsider.com yeah a family raised a dog for two years only to find out it was actually a bear that's embarrassing you'd think you'd figure it out before two years yeah i'm like two years well okay there are a lot of species of bears that people especially like white people don't know about because like white people know about grizzly bears like black bears brown bears polar bears end of list and that's like Yeah, like, that's the, and they're like, panda bears? It's like, no, shut your mouth. So people haven't heard about, like, sun bears or, like, uh, Asianic black bears. Like, there are lots of different kinds of bears that are not from the United States. Uh, (laughs) And so I think 
they are looking at an animal that they're like, well, this doesn't look like what I know a bear looks like. And so they just assume they own a deformed dog. Yeah. That's hilarious. Oh my goodness. Nat Geo Wild has a YouTube video that the title is this family thought they were raising a dog it was a bear that's so funny that that's like a real thing yeah and so like also on reddit this one time i saw a and i like posted it on the instagram and one of my instagram stories because it was like a picture of somebody had found what they thought was a lost dog yeah they had found like a lost dog on like the side of the road. They'd picked it up and they dropped it off at a shelter and it turned out it was a bear cub. <laughs> and they had just been like, Oh, this like poor little puppy, like picked it up and just like brought it to like a shelter. Oh my gosh. Because they, they were like, it's fine. It's like, it's, not that's a bear like <laughs> you can't just bring a bear to like a shelter and be like someone will love this i mean maybe you can i guess they proved that you can't just bring a bear <laughs> because they did because <laughs> they did and so it's crazy that like some things that are urban legends are based off of like real events that happen just like we've talked about like legends are stories that are based off of like real people, but then with fantastical other like elements or unverifiable like story parts. Yeah. And urban legends are exactly that where sometimes you end up with like a story that is mostly completely crazy talk with a theme that really resonates with people. And like, that's why it has staying power is because the theme that it's like passing on is something that like really applies to people. And then sometimes you get stories that like <laughs> are like more real than fake and they can be used as like cautionary tales to like control behavior whether it's like trying to get women to like lock their doors at night or whether it's to stop children from like wandering around near water. There's like some kind of, it's more true than fiction. That's awesome. These were super great. So thanks to everybody that wrote in. We've got a lot more that we didn't make it to. Yeah, I'm excited. I mean, I feel bad because I think there's a lot of people in my cup that didn't didn't get a shout out. So we have lots more urban legends. And if you have one, especially ones that are like local and specific to like your area, please tell me more. I am. Yeah, I think we're definitely going to do this again at some point. And we just love getting messages from people being like, hey, have you ever heard this story? Because if the answer is yes, then like, yeah, I want to discuss it with you, obviously. And if the answer is no, obviously, (laughs) I want you to tell it to me (laughs) because I'm obsessed. So please. Right in. So yeah, right in. And it might we might not bring it up in like the very next episode or for like a year. But we will never forget. Thank you for listening to The Fairy Tellers. If you are enjoying what we're doing, please support us by leaving us a review or share us with your friends. Special thanks to Andrew Forey for our music and Clarice Inch for our artwork. If you are a dreamer, come in. 
If you are a dreamer, a wisher, a liar, a hoper, a prayer, a magic bean buyer, if you're a pretender, come sit by my fire, for we have some flax golden tails to spin. Come in, come in. Invitation by Shel Silverstein. Oh, no.